Hello, everybody, and welcome to Soft Skills Engineering, our first, our inaugural episode where we discuss the uh, things that most podcast shows about software development don't discuss, which is all the other things that aren't technical, but that are nonetheless, I'd say, pretty important. So I'm Dave Smith. I'm Jameson Dance. And uh, let's get right into this. Okay, we have a question from uh, a friend who says, I'm a developer who gets approached from time to time while working on new ideas. Uh, I already messed that up. I'm a developer <laughs> who gets approached from time to time to work on new software ideas. While I find working on something new intriguing, I have no experience with business. How do I determine how legitimate these opportunities are? Mm. Yeah, this is a, this is really hard, don't you think, to like actually determine the legitimacy of a business? Um, I think my default answer is they're all illegitimate <laughs> until, until they have money. But then you miss out on a lot of stuff, too. Like, you mentioned, too, that this could also be with, like, contracting or... Yeah. Uh, it's, like, recruiting from... Just other companies. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, your friend with an app idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we want to break it down by those or? Yeah, sure. So let's let's start with the easy one, which is I think when a recruiter emails you or you get yet another LinkedIn message and you want to decide whether it's legitimate or not. <laughs> I guess more, it's usually pretty easy to tell if those are legitimate, but it's harder to know whether you should actually give them any time. I right? actually, I, I've never considered whether they're legitimate. I just assume like yeah. if someone is talking to me on LinkedIn, they wouldn't just make it up what do you mean by legitimate like a good opportunity i'm or... guessing that that's what he means is like is, am i going to make a ton of money doing this or okay. is this a total bust yeah so if... I, I think it depends if, if their name is an acronym that's like software solutions business corporation or something then it's probably a bust that's how i judge oh, yeah. <laughs> like the more random business <laughs> words are in their name the less interesting it's gonna be nice okay so what's the next scenario? We have uh, uh, freelance work, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So generally speaking, I found that when people approach you to do freelance work, they usually have like a very clear uh, like payment. They're gonna, they have some amount of time, like a term. Maybe it's like a three-month term, and they want to pay you X amount of dollars per hour for this many hours per week. Um, and I've, very, I've done a few of those, and I haven't heard of many people getting screwed on those and like walking away with nothing after spending 90 hours on a project, right? Those already sound like they have a lot more structure than some freelance things, though. Like yeah. some of them are just like, how much do I pay a coder to build a website for my grandma? True. True. And, um, or if they come to you and say, we'll pay you in money if we have it, but if we don't, we'll pay you in stickers. So like, that's probably not legitimate. <laughs> They're really good stickers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Those, those ones seem less interesting than yeah, the, exactly. the equity like, one, though, or yeah. the, the cool idea one. Yeah, so I've got this great app idea, and I'm going to give you like 20% ownership in this company that I haven't actually created yet, but I promise you'll get it. Like, what do you do? Or what, I mean, they can like write it on a napkin too. Like, sign this napkin. <laughs> you you are now the CTO. Of... <laughs> if you have a signed napkin, you're probably good. Like, yeah. I'd say go for it. <laughs> if you have something that you can frame and then tell a cool story about later. Um, I've heard it, uh, I've, I've heard this saying that, you only either work for free or for your rate. You never work for like a chunk of it. So if someone um, can pay you, but they can't pay you enough for your time, you're going to be in this weird situation where it's like uh, you feel bad for not working as hard, but they're not paying you enough money to, to devote your whole time to it. So I, I think it's you kind of either have to go all in and say like, yeah, I'm going to work on this as a business or 
mm-hmm. I'm going to take a salary like mm-hmm. that's not too different from the normal salary I would expect. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had a friend who uh, moved out to the Bay Area about a year ago, and he called me up um, a month or two ago and said, uh, I've got this guy I've been working with on weekends, just working on this fun project. And now we've got something, it's starting to become almost product-like, and uh, he wants to ask me to quit my day job and work full-time for him. And, um, you know, what do I do? Is this a good idea? And so I asked him mostly, like, the very first questions I asked are the obvious ones, which are like, okay, does this guy have the means to pay you? You know, and it's like that these are questions you should ask the person, like, can you pay me and how much? Um, and I think a lot of times as developers, we're kind of afraid of these conversations like, ooh, we can't talk about money. Like we can only talk about technical stuff, you know, but you need to. And, and I think most people feel really comfortable answering those questions. And then I was like, is he willing to give you anything in writing? Um, and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, it never occurred to me to ask for something in writing. But I think that you should like you absolutely should you're you're entering a business arrangement and so if they're not willing to pay you in in an offer it in writing i think it's probably it could very well be illegitimate i owe you 20% yeah boom like don't worry <laughs> you get 20% uh that's a good point though it doesn't have to be super formal it's it's maybe more just the act of writing it down will yeah. kind of cement some are you are you are you saying go to like a lawyer um, oh, that's a good question. I didn't, in this particular case, I didn't advise him to talk to an attorney, but, and I probably wouldn't have, like, it didn't seem like that big of a commitment. That's probably know? always advice that you could give someone that would never be wrong to, like, where do you yeah. want to go for lunch? Yeah. Talk to an attorney <laughs> to make sure. Yeah. Um, in the end, this guy decided not to do it because I think he found out that he actually, you know, he he had a life and expenses and this particular opportunity just couldn't really pay for him to live. And yep. So I think that's actually a really good thing, a good like disqualifying criteria to say, if I'm going to quit my day job and go work on this thing, will I be able to pay my bills? You know, and if the answer is no, and you're not willing to go into debt to like fund yourself for a few months while you do this, then you probably, it's probably not the right opportunity for you. This probably has a lot to do with your stage in life too. Um, oh yeah. If you're a student, the opportunity cost is way lower to just sure. work for free on something than if, than if you're kind of in an established career. Um, that's also kind of an argument, too, for keeping your expenses low throughout your career because then you have more freedom. If you yeah. have high living expenses, then uh, you just can't take some opportunities. Yeah, if totally. some of these are good, but they don't have money to pay you, then then that might be tricky if, if you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck. Um, also, I think, like, if you're super interested in it, that can change things, too. If you're like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Like, I've always wanted to make Uber for cats for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, a competitor. <laughs> we'll crush them. <laughs> um, I think I'm personally more risk-averse than, than some people. So I, I don't think I would ever just quit my job to work on some random idea with someone. I think I would only want to like co-found something together mm. with someone. I would never want to go in as as already having this hierarchy where there's a CEO of, of nothing and he's the boss of me telling me what to build. That would be hmm. it sounds not very fun and, and not as exciting and not worth the risk. So you'd be more interested in interested in like a partnership? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean it'd have to be it'd be a a very unique situation that would make me do it. But I, I would never go for just like, hey, I need a, a coder. 
sure. how how little of the company can I give away to this person? Yeah, like, yeah. That, you'd, you'd be a technical co-founder. There's some really good questions you can ask that person going into that situation to gauge that too. Like, does this person have any clue technically, or are they just going to be like hounding you about why isn't it done yet? You know, and are they do they want uh, like speed or do they want like super high quality? You know, yeah. What are their plans for growing the team in the future? And these are all questions that a serious business person who's getting who's really getting into this for real they will have answers for these things but then i mean <clears throat> how many good ideas have come out of people that have no idea what they're doing too so you, oh, if, yeah. if you say only that you'll you'll only talk to people that have their act together you're going to miss out on yeah some stuff too so you'll eliminate a bunch of false positives yeah you might get some false negatives is that what you're saying yeah yeah like i guess i don't know that much about the early history of google but uh, they, I, I imagine they were just working on cool stuff. I mean, they were PhDs at Stanford yeah, or something, so that's probably it's probably a good sign that they're smart at least. Sure. But, but I mean, maybe they didn't have some grand vision or business plan. They, they probably just... didn't. But statistically speaking, like this opportunity that just presented itself to you is not Google. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like don't worry about that. That's true. <laughs> At least that's how I would Good call. <laughs> like you just did, I'm sitting on the next Google. No, you're really not. Like yeah, that's, that's actually probably a good warning sign too. <laughs> if they tell you about the potential upside and talk about Google at all, then, yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> maybe they have unrealistic expectations. Um, I think most ideas need to have at least some somewhat clear of a path to monetization. <clears throat> Excuse me. And again, this is one of those things that may be hard for software developers to talk about, but it's like, how is this going to be a viable project? You know, and maybe it's not a, maybe it's not for profit. Maybe it is, but in any case, they need to have some kind of path. You know, if it's like, well, we're just going to get a lot of users and then figure that out later. I like to hear people say like, well, we're going to get a lot of users. And then we have these partnerships that we think could be really lucrative based on these, you know, past experiences and things like that. All these things lend legitimacy. So, so I personally agree with that, but that kind of flies in the face of how <laughs> a lot of technology works, though. I mean, Snapchat is... Like you just don't know up front? Well, no, you just have no idea. You just do get a lot of users. I mean... And then figure it out after that. <laughs> yeah, and you raise bajillions of dollars of VC funding, and then you have a lot of money, and then... And then dot dot dot, and then you, sell, and then you sell to Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the end goal of that is, but, but for a while, you sure are pretty rich. So... <laughs> So who cares what the end goal was? Yeah, I, I guess that is the end goal. Raise a lot of VC money. That's also in the statistical um, minority, probably. Yeah. You, know, you can get that kind of path. But I'll, I'll tell a story about one. So Mosey, um, some people may know it's a Utah startup. I think I think 10 years ago or more they started here in Utah. And uh, I talked to the founder of Mosey and was considering coming on the team at the time. And they had a really clear path to monetization. They were like, we're going to offer a backup service. That people can install on their computers and will back up their whole hard drive to the internet. And this was revolutionary at the time because storage was way more expensive back then, 10 years ago, and you just couldn't do that. And their monetization strategy was, we'll just send them advertising. And I was like, okay, so it's going to be free for everyone, and then you'll we'll send you targeted ads based on the files that you upload to us. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> they were like, don't worry, we can't see the contents of the files, but we will know the file names. So we can send okay. certain slightly targeted ads. Anyway, um, but really quickly oh after goodness. that, they realized that people were willing to pay 
like five or ten bucks a month to yeah. do backup, and people signed up in droves, so they pivoted and quit. But but the important thing is, or they didn't quit; they just abandoned the advertising strategy and went straight to a <laughs> no ads paid service. Yeah. Um, but the point is, like from day one, they had a really clear path, um, and they had I'll put air quotes up. They had a business model, um, and I'm like not qualified, and I think most engineers are not qualified to evaluate the viability of a business model. But at least if you have one and you can talk about it sanely, I think it it, it lends legitimacy to your project. Yeah. You mentioned ads and there are so many companies that work in the ad space, either like on the seller side or whose business model is users, question mark, question mark, question mark, ads, mm-hmm. and then dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar yeah. sign. <laughs> and and for me personally, that's not appealing. I don't I don't wanna sell ads to people. So there's there's probably some kind of like personal preferences that go into the ideas that you want to pursue as well. Or maybe I mean uh, lots of people have made lots of money that way too. So if that's your kind of driving concern, then mm-hmm. then there there's a clear path to money that way too. Certainly, um, there, there's also more to legitimacy than just making money. Like, um, <laughs> I, 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 this is a little bit of a joke, but when the Mosey when I talked to the Mosey engineering team, they said, "Yeah, we basically work for a spammer," and they they said it tongue in cheek. Um, but you know, you can think other companies have a legitimate business plan for making money, but like you're just like, I am so not on board with this idea, you know? Like, sure, um, certainly happens. Yep. But, uh, oh, so I want to go with that is that um, sometimes legitimacy just means like, is this project even going to be viable and successful? And I think that's a place where you can assess that. Like, take a look at what they're trying to accomplish and say, is this even feasible? Like, a lot of times people, especially non-engineers, will approach engineers with ideas that are just like dumb. And they're dumb because they're not technically viable or they have their scope is just so huge and they don't realize just how huge it is. They're like, you know, we're going to build Facebook for Uber for cats for dogs. <laughs> it's like going to be great. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys have no idea what you're talking the possibilities about. possibilities are endless. <laughs> well, I think we've uh, completely answered that question and no <laughs> one will ever have any doubts about what they should do for any business opportunity from now on. <laughs> just follow our simple recipe. Yeah, the simple <laughs> recipe of... <laughs> shrug. Uh, <laughs> yeah, th- this is a hard one because they're it's so personal and and yeah, it depends so much on you and the other person and the idea and the market and where you are in life. And I will say that uh, you you should definitely take your time when making a big decision about whether to quit your job and jump on some new opportunity. And uh, you should ask lots and lots of questions. Like if you've only asked four or five questions then you are not even close. Like I'd say you need to get to where you've asked at least several dozen questions and felt pretty confident in the answers, you know, otherwise you've just scratched the service. Yep. Just like we just did. Yeah. Service scratched. Should we move to our next question? Let's do it. Do you want to read it? Yeah, I'll read this one. All right. This question says, my current job, our code base is a few years old and we use an air quotes older JavaScript framework. Oh, so like like React React. (laughs) 2 or... Yeah. So like older than three weeks old. Yeah. In my spare time, I've really, really enjoyed using one of the newer paradigms and technical stacks, and I wish I had more opportunity to get experience with these technologies. I don't see a rewrite or even a migration anytime soon for our code base at this company, and I've been considering taking a job where I'd have opportunity to work with these newer technologies. This despite enjoying my coworkers and lacking any major complaints at this company. On a scale from 1 to 10, how crazy am I for considering a job change? Remember, this is a one-number answer. On a scale from 1 to 10. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to hedge my bets and say 5. <laughs> Flip a coin. Yeah. That's how crazy you are. Yep. What do you uh, think, Jameson? This is a really good question. 
Um, and I have thought about this a lot, but I probably have no good answers because it's a, it's a tricky problem. So I've, um, my whole career has basically been on the, the air quotes cutting edge. I mean, there's always something newer, but, but on the whole spectrum of software technologies, I think I've mostly worked on things that most people would consider to be new. Um, so I have a biased <laughs> viewpoint of this because, because that stuff is exciting to me. I think there's, there's. There are a lot of different motivations for working somewhere, but you could look at it as two different ways. One is you're you're there um, for how the work gets done, and the other one is you're there for what work gets done. Mm-hmm. So if you're uh, you can be really focused on the product and on the users and delivering a good user experience, and kind of having faster iteration cycles and fewer bugs, and and just kind of making the the producing something good. Or you can be really focused on how you get the work done and you're always kind of reading blog posts about cool ideas on new frameworks or new ES21000 <laughs> technologies or, or whatever. ES20XT6. Yeah, 20XT6, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and, and that can be how you get satisfaction. And I think they're both valid ways and, and they might lend themselves to different kinds of companies or different kinds of problems. But... You probably need to figure out what excites you. If you get more excited about someone using your product and being happy, then it, it doesn't matter as much what tech stack you use. Mm-hmm. But if you are really interested in, in kind of what's new and what's cool and, and stuff like that, then maybe there might be more room at a company that's focused more on developer productivity. Like they have a large enough team that mm-hmm. they can spend some time and some engineers looking at new technologies and helping pick what direction they should go and Stuff like that. So you kind of have to figure out what you prefer. I'm guessing based on the way this question is worded that using a modern technology stack is actually really important to this person. Um, And I'm going to say, like, that's the number one thing I would respond with is um, figure out what's important to you. Like, I know lots of developers who are perfectly happy, like, coming to work, doing their work, being proud of their work. But the particular tech stack they're using is, like, not super important to them. Like they can find challenge and enjoyment in building regardless of the tooling that they are using at the time. And sure. they're cool with that. Like they go home and put on their snowboards and do awesome stuff on the slopes or whatever, you know, and it's like great for them. Yeah. Uh, my particular, for me, like I have to be challenged and use it for whatever reason. I'd say this is actually kind of a weakness, but like I really want to be on the latest stuff, you know? And so uh, I think that's a really important thing to figure out about yourself. And then if that's important to you, I'd, I'd say definitely change jobs. Like yeah. that's an, it, it, like you, your life's too short to spend your day job doing something that doesn't make you really excited. You also have to be careful of the grass is greener thing, though. It's true. If every time a new framework switch comes out, you quit your job to go work on it, then <laughs> you'll never build anything. Yeah, you'll just true. know a little bit about every new JavaScript framework. That that's comes true. Out. And, and since JavaScript was specifically mentioned, this is yeah. particularly risky in this area. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe if you temper it and say, look, I'm not going to change jobs more than once every year or two, but I'm going to make sure I'm always on the latest tech stack so that I can feel awesome about my work, then maybe that's like a nice balance. Yeah. I, I just, this person will grow old and tired and then they'll just <laughs> stick on Angular 5 <laughs> for 10 years or something. Yeah. It's, this seems like a, a bigger deal with younger people. Although, I don't know. So in my last you're job, I'm not I was old, there. Dave, but you're older than I am. You, I, you just know, I've said you. I've been, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. You know, I've been in the industry for about 15 years. And after I was at one job for seven years and the main reason I quit was so that I could try out a new technology stack. Hmm. And that like, that was the number one reason. 
And it was awesome. But you know what? Like, it was hard. Like, after having all these ideas ingrained in my mind for like seven years, it took me probably three or four months of thinking, what have I done with <laughs> my new job? <laughs> um, but it was great. Like, once I did it, it I really have enjoyed it. So, like, I'm totally on board with changing jobs to, uh, to try something new. Not every six months, not even every year or two. Probably you really want to like stick with a job for a year or two unless things are really bad, in my opinion, just so you can really understand the business and the team and, and stuff um, before you jump ship. But I'm yeah. totally on board with changing jobs frequently. Yeah, I I agree with that. I just have this little like hesitation in my mind that maybe that's not what's going to make you happy. And, and if you think it is, you'll miss out on... I think there's some growth to be done. Um, and, and if you just bounce every time anything gets hard for you, mm -hmm. then you, you'll miss out on that. It's very true. Like maybe you're on EXTJS or something, something that's a few years old, mm -hmm. and you say the word and people kind of cringe, like, ugh, that's uncool. Um, but there are still some architectural problems to work on. There's still stuff to figure out. It's not like the framework... Hopefully, it doesn't ruin your life or, or rule your day-to-day -day work because you're working on a product, not like plugging stuff into the framework. True. True. I don't know. It can get bad when you have a particularly old technology because it's like, oh, this new browser came out and we can't even target it anymore. And when yeah. that happens, like you need to really reevaluate. But at that point, it's a business decision, right? Like your whole business might be forced to change. Yep, that's but. true. And that's, that's another good point that... Uh, if if it's because of <clears throat> if it's because of personal reasons, then then you just kind of have to either convince people or jump ship. But if it's actively harming, like your 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 work, then maybe you need to bring it up to to the team, and mm -hmm. maybe you have room to say we should rewrite something else because yeah we, we can't build on like YUI two anymore or something. Also, in this question, he said uh, he or she said. Um, there's no clear like migration path. And when I hear the word migration, I think like wholesale, we're going to like redo this app in this new framework. That will never happen. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> will never happen. If, if it makes money, it will never happen. Here's what's really cool is that in the JavaScript ecosystem, you can carve off pieces of your web app and run them with a different tech stack, like more so than any other programming language or tool that I've ever worked with. JavaScript makes that possible. Because at the end of the day, you're just working with a whole bunch of freaking text files. Like, you're not totally beholden to one framework. So, like, in my current work, we have a smattering of jQuery, React, and Angular, and React and Angular, and React in Angular in React. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> like, you can do this, right? And um, you might find that whole exercise to be challenging. And what, what, the reason I bring that up is because it's usually very hard to convince your team to move to a new technology. But it's also often very easy to convince them to do one small feature in a new technology just to try it out. And then, especially if you are very diplomatic and you say, hey team, I wanna try out this new technology, but I don't wanna commit us all to it because I know that would be foolish, but I wanna try it out and then after we ship this one feature, I want to have a meeting and get everyone together and we can talk about how well we liked it and if we did or didn't. And you might be surprised at how people will come around to new technology ideas when you do that, when you pitch it correctly. So that's a skill I think that people need to work on as well. Yeah. I guess I've also been assuming that the company you work for is good and there are good people there yeah. that you, you like and that will kind of uh, mentor you and, and help you grow. But if, if if you're just like stuck in some backwards company with mm -hmm. people that don't like developers or I don't know. Yeah, you, you shouldn't stick around if you're unhappy. But if the company is, is great, 
and the only thing is the technology, then maybe see if, I, I would say maybe see if there's a way to kind of, yeah, I agree with Dave, see if there's a way to sneak it in. <laughs> but stay above board. No one, you know, developers hate it when you like sne- <laughs> literally sneak a, a framework in. Like, oh, we're React Shop now, huh, Bob? <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> I just thought it was the best way to implement that dropdown. <laughs> yeah. And you just added 400 kilobytes to our main <laughs> for that one dropdown, huh? Yeah, but they're so new. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the newest kilobytes in our whole system. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so five, is that what I'm hearing? Um, five out of ten <laughs> <laughs> definitely like this is so personal though like i think you have to gauge it based on what you want but like for me personally if i was in an old a company that would not adopt new technology i would want to bounce it is like a career thing too if you're convinced that you're in a dead-end technology then the, and the industry is moving away from it then yeah there's there's something to be said for that that's true and i'll add one more comment for me and then i don't have anything else which is when i hire people when i interview them I usually am not looking for proficiency in the skills or in the tools that we use at work today. Like I'm way more interested in the candidate's ability to learn. Because when I hire someone, like I want them to be on my team for several years. And I know because JavaScript, I know that we're not going to be on the same technologies in two or three years that we are today. And so I want to hire people who are like, yeah, I'd love to learn new technologies and I do it fast and effectively and responsibly. And so if you can demonstrate to me through your work experience that you've been able to do that effectively, like I'm way on board with that. Um, I will never hire an Angular expert or a React expert or, you know, an Elm expert just because that's their skill. I'll hire them because they're capable of learning new technologies quickly and being, you know, good members of the team that way. Um, So like that's another reason to change jobs periodically because it does give you a nice chance to do a total reboot and, and to flex that muscle, uh, the, the relearning muscle that sometimes goes dormant when we just use the same technology for a long time. Yeah, that's a good point. Answered. Question answered. Just yeah. follow our simple recipe. Yeah, <laughs> it's that easy. Just sit and talk for 15 minutes about it. And then five out of ten. All right. Well, those are the two questions we're going to do today. Um should we tell people how to get in touch with us if they would like us to answer one of their questions with a clear, straightforward recipe for success? Yes. Follow this simple recipe. <laughs> Fix it in post. <laughs> uh, you can probably tweet at us for now. I'm Jergason, yeah. J-E-R-G-A-S-O-N on yeah. Twitter. And I am DJ Smith 42 on Twitter. Tweet us and we'll put your questions on the list. And if you're lucky... We will answer them. Or if you're unlucky, we will answer them. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay. Thank you. So much for now. Bye-bye.